Given the current COVID-19 pandemic, it's easy for a lot of people to forget that regular everyday medical emergencies are still occurring as well. People are still getting heart attacks and people are still getting strokes. This is obviously an issue because hospitals need absolutely every hand on deck in terms of trying to, to care for people that are infected with the coronavirus. Accordingly, many states have actually postponed or outright canceled uh, a lot of elective surgeries and elective procedures. Texas kind of seeing an opening given uh, the anti-abortion stance of the political leaders over time in Texas have actually uh, canceled any abortions. They, they've, they've not allowed them to, to go on. Although they just recently lifted the ban to avoid a prolonged court battle, it is enlightening to see a little bit in terms of the disparities that exist in this country with regards to abortion. In the United States, abortion access varies very widely depending on the individual politics of the state and laws used to limit abortion access, even since Roe v. Wade. Um, a lot of people don't realize, but what really matters when looking at abortion access in the United States isn't really Roe versus Wade, but rather a later case in 1992, almost 20 years after Roe v. Wade, called Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey. What this made, what made this case so interesting was that it really allowed restrictions, even other than medical ones. Uh, so examples of these would be a mandatory waiting period in between your original consult at an abortion clinic and when you can actually get the abortion, as well as uh, demanding things like uh, parental consent uh, for minors. And these types of restrictions have been used alongside other restrictions um, that are more medically based by states that are seeking to limit women's access to abortion within the state borders. Now, as a way of illuminating these differences, I'm going to tell you a story about two young women that are trying to obtain abortions who face very similar initial circumstances, but unfortunately have vastly different obstacles that they face. So the first of these two young women is a girl named Abby. She's from Mississippi. Uh, and the other girl is named Christy, and she's from New Jersey. Now, both of these young women are from low-income backgrounds. They're both high school students, 17 years old. Neither have ever had sex before, but both are in relationships and ready to try it. Uh, and both have conservative parents who uh, demand abstinence until marriage, like many parents in the United States. Now, we'll start with Christy. So Christy grew up in New Jersey, as I said before. Uh, she was fortunate enough to receive sex ed education. And although in New Jersey, sex ed education uh, is required by law to favor abstinence, uh, they do allow for the teaching of different contraceptives and things like uh, condom demonstrations, which I'm sure uh, many of us have seen in our sex ed classes in high school. 
So when she was ready to have sex, uh, her and her boyfriend bought condoms um, and were ready to use them. But unfortunately, her boyfriend forgot to check the expiration date before having sex and the condom broke. So she got pregnant. Now, she knows that she's not ready uh, and that she needs an abortion. She has no car because, as I, as I said before, she's from a low-income background. Um, but luckily, like 74% of New Jersey women, she lives in a county with an abortion clinic, which means that one is available, one is nearby. So she's able to get a ride because it's super close and doesn't even need to take off work for it. She also does not need to tell her parents about it. She doesn't need parental consent. And it's also luckily covered by her insurance, uh, the Medicaid program. As I mentioned before, she is low income. So she's able to get it quickly without too much financial hardship. Uh, she keeps her job, her parents don't find out. And although an unfortunate event for her, it's not completely life altering. Now, on the other hand, um, Abby was in a sex ed class in Mississippi in high school uh, where condom demonstrations are actually against the law. So they never got condoms and they never used condoms. And of course they got pregnant or Abby got pregnant. So she also needs an abortion. However, like 91% of Mississippi women, she does not live in a county with a clinic. In fact, 99% of Mississippi counties do not have an abortion clinic within their county borders. She looks online also and realizes that she will need parental consent in order to get an abortion in writing. It causes a big fight, uh, but she finally convinces them before the 20 week deadline to get an abortion. Unfortunately, she only had 10 weeks before this 20 week deadline occurred after she realized that she was pregnant um, to, in order to get this abortion. So she was really going right up against the wall. Um, but she did manage to convince her parents to provide the uh, parental consent that she needed to get the abortion. Unfortunately, this meant that she would be kicked out of the house. Although she needs to work in order to support her family, and now she'll need to work to definitely support herself, um, she has to take a day-long trip to the one clinic in the state. Now, when she arrives at the abortion clinic, she is offered countless amounts of information including both verbal and written counseling. This counseling is required by Mississippi law, as well as the parental consent that I mentioned before. Now, even once she comes, she has to come back in 24 hours. She's not allowed to come. This is uh, related to the mandatory waiting periods that I mentioned before. So this requires taking another day off of work, and she is fired for this because now she's missed two days of work in a row without having taken any time off the schedule or alerting her boss beforehand because this is her private business and she doesn't feel like she needs to tell her boss or justify why she's missing work. So she does come back 24 hours later, um, comes all the way back across the state, and she spends the remainder of her savings on the abortion since state law also prohibits her Medicaid from covering an abortion except in the cases of rape or incest or when her health is in jeopardy. And since neither, none of these scenarios occur, unfortunately, she has to spend the remainder of savings. Now, it is really enlightening, even though I made this story up, to compare the obstacles that Abby and Christy had to face, and as well as the outcomes. 
Now, Christy and Abby both ended up getting their abortions, but whereas Christy is not financially ruined, uh, she's still living in the house with her parents and everything else. Um, Abby no longer has a job because she had to travel so far and uh, on two separate occasions to get this abortion um, and had to spend all the money out of her own pocket uh, because there was not a, she was not allowed to use uh, her Medicaid insurance to pay for the abortion. Um, also, because she was required to get parental consent uh, in order to get this abortion since she is a minor at the time, uh, this also caused a f- very large falling out within her family. Now, I also could have picked other states as examples. There are a wide variety of different laws on the books in different states that limit or try to make abortions as accessible as possible for the women that need them. Um, Notably, some states actually require the portrayal of even inaccurate information uh, to women as part of the informed consent uh, laws in many states. Uh, This informed consent would be why Mississippi required her to get counseling beforehand at the abortion clinic in her initial consult. Um, So one of the examples that's most common is that many states actually, um, during the initial consult, link having an abortion to an increased chance of getting breast cancer, which is just not scientifically true at all. Um, They also, some states, require that women be told that fetuses can feel pain, or they say that uh, they are going to have a very negative uh, emotional and mental health reaction to having an abortion. Um, some states even require women to be told before obtaining an abortion that personhood begins at conception in the mandatory counseling. Some states even have waiting periods as long as 72 hours, such as South Dakota or North Carolina. So even though Mississippi still requires two separate trips, you know, at the very least, it's only 24 hours. Now, the big question is, you know, how do states close so many clinics? Um, examples of how this occurs and how states like Mississippi are down to one abortion clinic would be, um, in addition to all of the other restrictions on abortions that I mentioned, um, in terms of trying to shut down clinics themselves, this are, they often justify them on a medical basis. Um, so they require uh, doctors to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals, um, which given how safe abortion procedures generally are, this is often puzzling. Um, another example is even that they restrict um, hallway width, that they say that hallways must be at least eight feet wide to fit, to fit in two operating beds uh, side by side, which is just really never going to be actually practical or useful um, and can often, because abortion clinics are not exactly flush with cash, this often closed, uh, forces them to shut down. Now, most of the states that have severe restrictions on abortions are clustered uh, in the Midwest or in uh, the South. And what this means is that if there is a change in Supreme Court jurisprudence regarding abortion, especially now that Anthony Kennedy, who was considered a moderate vote on abortion and women's health issues, is now retired, um, there might not be any more possible options for those in the South and the Midwest that face these restrictions. So this is worrying, and this is definitely something to look for in the future.